Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Royals Rundown Podcast, the premier Kansas City Royals podcast, at least in Spain, for some reason. <laughs> for a second, hey. we are presented by Royals Review. What, Jeremy? What now? Hey, just hey. Hey, hey. Spain. I hey, was going to speak some Spanish, and then I don't remember I don't know any. Well, listen, I, I butchered Spanish last week, and uh, so everyone too. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to follow in those footsteps. Know, there are many, right? many footsteps to follow. Those those aren't them. Nope. Those are not them. For everyone listening, I am Jacob Milham. That other voice you hear is Jeremy Greco. And tonight we are joined by Royals Reviews, Matthew Lamar. Guys, how were the holidays? How are we feeling? Uh, well, my family gave me their head cold for Christmas. Oh, fun. So I I'm in that I watched the Chiefs just played the worst football game I've seen in quite a while and uh and and added a head cold to it so I'm I'm doing it's great the holidays love them Yeah I um so at my my day job I get the uh I get Christmas Eve and Christmas day off I also get New Year's Eve and New Year's Day off so you combine those with the weekends um, and I only have to take three days of PTO to have 11 consecutive days of of no work. So that's what I do every year. This is the fifth year that I've done it. It's it's wonderful. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we were traveling for Christmas, but I this is day day two of seven where I don't have to do anything. So <laughs> it's absolutely wonderful. Nice. That. That that does sound sound pretty amazing. I'm this, today was my first day of work back after taking eleven days off myself, so I'm uh I'm very jealous of of your situation, Matthew. Well, hey, if you want to keep updated on the Kansas City Royals, you got to go visit our what what is the word the the place that makes this all happen. That, that's the word RoyalsReview.com. You can also support the podcast further by following us on Twitter at Royal Rundown Pod. That is X. I'm sorry, that is not Twitter. Twitter is dead. Jeremy. No. Okay. Say it. Say it with me. Twitter is dead. No. I <laughs> no. It's dying. Sure, I'll give you that. Yeah, it's dying pretty fast. <laughs> and you can also find us on TikTok at Royal Rundown Pod. Guys, we have a whole bunch of Q&A responses to get to this week. So if you don't know, if you listen to us on Spotify, you can check out our polls and Q&As every week. We give you a chance to answer our question and we will read your responses on air. So last week, we we kind of failed to to do the, the Q&A we, thing. We, he says. I, I As if I have any access to those. <laughs> I thought we were in this together, Jeremy. Just throwing me under the bus. Yeah, you're 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 responsible for this too, Matthew. I uh, just want you to know you're part of we oh, now. Yeah. Okay, great, cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, listen, we we got to get through a whole bunch of answers, but first, thank you all for responding to the question. We greatly appreciate it. We love to hear what our listeners are saying and what they are thinking to different topics regarding the Kansas City Royals. So first, last week we asked you, what do you think about the Renfro move? Because Jeremy and I talked about that a lot on the podcast episode, kind of mixed feelings. We'll talk about it a little bit more later on, talking about Jeremy's article from this weekend. But we got two responses to that. Friend of the podcast, Lux, said, fine, if the Royals can fix him, which I think they can, 
His biggest issue last year was a huge drop in barrel rate, which Alex Zumwalt has a history of improving. That's a that's a good point, Lux. I'm curious to go back and look at the numbers, see if maybe that that is what was plaguing Hunter Renfro last season. Um, and then also, listen, we we got some people who don't have actual names for usernames. They just have a string of letters and numbers, and I don't know if they exist. Maybe it's AI. I don't know, but. This person starts with the WSR said it's genius. And uh, I think that's the only person I've seen so far fully, fully on board with the Hunter Renfro move so far. But moving on to the December 14th episode, we asked you, what do you think about Kansas City moves in the past week? Because remember, at that point, we were coming off the Michael Waka edition. We were coming off the Seth Lugo edition as well. Corey Michael said, very surprised. Love it, but wish we would keep some of the proven youth with extensions. I love being wrong and hope I keep being wrong with a Bobby Witt extension coming next. I certainly hope so there, Corey. Friend of the pod again, Lux, he uh, he had a, a great response. Jeremy, I you can see the response. So I, I really want you to try and read this off. Well, you, in the you best got way it, buddy. Okay, yeah, boy. that is the best way to put it and yeah that was kind of a lot of feeling around the royals fandom and then again we have frank dg d giovanni i butcher that every single freaking time i swear he said a month ago i i i i hate to say it maybe it's somewhere in my in my family genes i am irish after all so I'm, i'm sorry frank oh boy yeah i know Frank did say a month ago, I wanted them to sign two starters and a bat. They are one starter away of meeting my expectations, and hopefully we'll continue to build a team for Bobby. Oh, maybe um, he answered it before they signed Waka. Yeah, maybe, that's the only thing I, I can think of, because Seth Lugo, Michael Waka, and Hunter Renfro kind of hit those wickets. Longtime answerer, Royal Rupert said, I must have slipped into an alternate universe. This is cool stuff. Um, yeah, it was it was very strange to see the Royals leading free agent spending there for a little while, but don't worry, the Dodgers can uh, can come in and steal that title away. Mo said, I think we overpaid for Lugo, but I'm just happy we're making some moves. I think adding a few more arms would help us out more. Yes, especially with how bad the pitching rotation was. Last year, at points, uh, you can never have too many arms, and we have seen that in spades. Mind the Mooses, I, I do like that username, I will say, said, liking the moves should make the team more watchable in the short term. Still need improvements in player development. Royals aren't a team that can overcome a bottom five farm system with spending. Hard to disagree with that. That is some more long-term stuff. If you want to hear more about the developments down in the farm system, you got to go check out Preston Farr over at Farm to Fountains and on Royals Review as well. Lastly, Kayla Billing said, I love these moves. Maybe we can avoid an early season slump and be relevant in June or July. As a lifelong Royals fan, it feels good to be given some hope in what feels like a really, really long time. Well, we're going to be talking more about that later on with Jeremy's article. But first, thank you all for the responses. Please interact with us on this episode. And remember, you can only respond to us on Spotify. Before we get to the show, Jeremy has a very special announcement about an upcoming guest. Yeah, it's uh, Santa Claus. No, I'm kidding. Uh, (laughs) Santa's, Santa's done. 
Uh, no, I uh, reached out to uh, an excellent baseball mind, uh, one of my favorite Twitter follows. Yes, it's, I I'm, will never stop calling it Twitter. Thank you. Uh, Dan Zimborski, uh, the, the idea man behind Zips, and he will be joining us for a special episode in a couple of weeks where we might talk a little bit of baseball in between uh, how much we want to gush about uh, the Trails series of uh, video games. So, you know, you can look forward to that. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's going to be a pretty long Royals review reviews episode <laughs> at the end. I will say that. I'll how about this, Jeremy? I'll I'll remove the 3 minute limit for, ah, for that. Yes. Episode. Yes. Um Matthew, I we'll get your thoughts here in a little bit, but first we got to we got to run down some transactions around the Royals which there uh there have been none. The Royals have unsurprisingly been quiet since our last show over the Christmas break. In the most part, the MLB club didn't have any moves, but the lone minor league transaction was assigning infielder Chris Brito to the ACL Royals. Now, if that name sounds familiar, it is because his alma mater Rutgers announced Brito coming to the Kansas City Royals organization earlier this month. The righty played summer ball with the Trenton Thunder and Stanton Island Ferry Hawks this past summer after playing five seasons with the Scarlet Knights. Um, it's it's very rare that you want to talk about an undrafted MLB player, but Brito is one of the most accomplished hitters in Rutgers history. He is the Scarlet Knights all-time home run leader with 46 and RBI leader with 200 after setting the school season single season record with 74 RBI in 2022. He was not drafted as a senior for a reason, but it will be interesting to see how Burrito works through the Royal system. All right, guys, let's go ahead and get into the meat and potatoes today. So Jeremy, I want to start with your column from this past weekend. I want to say it came out on Saturday as per usual. So you are far from the front offices and ownership's biggest fan, as <laughs> your readers have seen over this past year. But even the recent moves have you saying you, quote, couldn't be more grateful. You got to tell the listeners why you think that, man. Yeah, so the headline of the article, which uh, apparently caused at least one person to say, this is too cheesy to read, uh, <laughs> was that, that the Royals gave me everything I asked for for Christmas. Um, I want, they said kind of going into the off season, they said, we want to bat and we want two starters and we want to fix the bullpen. And they, and I thought, you know what, that, that sounds like a pretty good checklist. If you actually do all of those things, then, then I'm good. That's the, I'm, I'm happy with the off season. And they did all of those things. They added two starters, two quality starters, at least, you know, they're, they're, these are not Jordan Lyles guys. Could they, could they fall apart? Could they get hurt? Yes, all of that is true. All everybody they signed is over thirty, uh, except for I think the the utility guy Garrett Hampson. I think he's twenty nine, but uh, so injuries are a real possibility. But they they went out and got some players that like other teams were actually interested in. So uh, it's exciting. I know some people have complained that uh, oh they overspent like one of those uh comments we got earlier they overspent blah 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 but when you're when you're in free agency you're overspending that's that's how free agency works you're in a bidding war against other teams if you want a player that other play teams want you're going to spend more than you probably would like for his services that's that's just how it works uh and and you know you could have a Seth Lugo for 15 million a year 
or you can have two Jordan Lyles. And I, I would rather have a Seth Lugo. So uh, that's just kind of how it works out. Um, I mean, we kind of talked about this a little bit last week where Hunter Renfro, I'm not really sure like what the deal is with him. But, uh, and in fact, when we talked last week, I had already written this article, even though it didn't oh, go okay. up until Saturday. <laughs> uh, so some of those thoughts are, are present in the article as well. But I, I, I'm just, I'm pleased that the Royals seem to have made a real effort to go out and get some players that really can impact this team. I think uh, if you squint, you can see an opportunity for them to make a run at the division. If they get a little bit lucky, maybe a lot of bit lucky. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I'm excited about what this is going to do for some of the younger guys. Like Michael Massey will no longer be asked to bat third or fourth. He'll bat mm-hmm. seven, eighth or ninth, which is, you know, where I think he fits best in the lineup. So I'm, I'm, ex- I'm honestly excited for the season to start. And I think this is the first time I can say that since 2017, at least. Dang. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that sounds about right. Matt, what are your, uh, what are your thoughts about the sent- sentiments of the article? I think that, you know, whenever you have a team that has traditionally done a poor job, um, you know, of doing stuff um, like the Royals have done. And by stuff, I mean, just about anything (laughs) It's all related um, that to some people, it can seem, you know, a, a little a little over the top. What, what did you say, Jeremy? He's like un, unreadable, unreadably cheesy or whatever, you know, yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's really only being fair that if you're criticizing the team for not doing things uh, well, that you're also giving them kudos for when they do exactly what they should be doing. Um, and you can see the Royals, um, the Royals thought process actually really clearly. Um, and so some of this is due to the draft lottery, right? So, you can only no longer just lazily lose 110 games and get the first overall pick. There's, you know, some some level of luck involved, right? And as we can as we saw with the, you know, Cleveland, the Cleveland Guardians, they won, you know, low to mid 70s and they still got the first overall pick. So, I think the Royals see that they're like, okay, so we're we're going to make a run at improving. If we don't improve, well, guess what? The water the lottery you know, cuts both ways. Maybe we could get a better, you know, draft pick than we could otherwise. Um, so that's that's uh, part of it. The other part of it is the Royals thought that they were better um, than they actually were. Um, and there is data to support that. If you look at like the third order winning percentage and, and the Pythagorean winning percentage as well, um, the Royals were 10 wins better um, by third order winning percentage 10 that's the biggest difference in the whole league um and so that turns the royals from a 106 loss club to a 96 loss club then you're starting to get you know if if you think that their true talent level is that oh well they were actually more of a 96 loss club and then oh well actually they were more of a 91 loss club if you look at like the the players who are at, at the end of the year versus the beginning of the year and then you say, hey, we're going to, you know, roll the dice. We're going to try to get some free agents. You know, we know that the American League Central is not very good. So that if things, you know, break the Royals way, there's not like a Yankees or a Dodgers just sitting there who, you know, is going to get 100, you know, 100 wins. Like the Royals could ostensibly win the division with 83, 84 wins. Like that's on the table. That's not on the table in most divisions. And the Royals seemingly know this and are taking 
you know, taking a stab at it. So I think that's a, it's a really great, um, it's a really great idea and strategy that the Royals are taking right here. And the, the best part about this is that it's a very low risk strategy. Like, let's say that you way overshoot what you think that you, you're going to be doing. Well, then you might win 84, 85 wins. You know, that's awesome. Let's say that it doesn't go so well. Well, you win 72 two games, and then maybe you have a shot at the first overall pick in the draft, which you did not before. So I think this is really great strategy, and this is tied a lot to the to the draft lottery, which I know is is an unpopular thing, but I actually like it because it pushes teams like the Royals into a why not try? Whereas previously there was no benefit to it. It's either, you know, be a 90 win team or, you know, lose a hundred games. Now it's, you know, the, those middle teams can get benefits uh from from being good but not great, which is what the Royals are going for. And it's considering the division who they play with, it's exactly what they should be doing. I, f- I find that a really interesting point because it's a lot of people were saying initially when the Royals first fell down the draft, down to that sixth pick, that, oh, this, the draft is the, the draft lottery is hurting teams that aren't even trying to tank. The Royals weren't trying to tank. Well, okay, but they also weren't going out and signing real free agents before, right? And now they are. So they weren't trying to tank maybe, but they weren't trying to not tank. And and now I think, you know, what you're kind of saying is they're trying to not tank. And, and the, the team should be more watchable. It should be a much better season for all of us. I think even if even if they only win 72 games, that's that's 16 more wins than they had this year. That's a lot of wins. And it's going to be, uh, and this is kind of where I was, uh, one other thing I was trying to get at in my article is like, even if they don't win the division, even if they're not competitive, they're going to be more watchable. And and that can only benefit us, the fans. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that, Jeremy. And it is, b- before we we move on, I do want to say thank you, Jeremy. If you want to read Jeremy's piece in full or any more of the great work over at Royals Review, you've got to head on over to RoyalsReview.com. You also need to follow Royals Review on X and on Threads. Plus, you can like them all over at Facebook to stay up to date on all things Royals wherever you are on social media. So, Jeremy, Matt, to both of y'all's points, I, I put up a poll with our episode, not last week, but the week before, that December 14th episode. And I put up a poll that said that Royals free agents are big upgrades, unquestionable. How many wins will Kansas City improve by in 2024? I put up four different options. And the two top voter or voting options, which this is the most votes we've gotten on a poll yet. I know it's only 19, but it's, it's a good chunk. We've got nine votes for eight to twelve, and we got nine votes for thirteen plus. So the the additions are getting getting fans pretty bullish on how much the Royals will improve in the win column. Um, Matt, I'm going to put you on the spot. If you had to go with one of those options, which would you select? The eight to twelve or the thirteen plus win improvement? Oh, thirteen plus. No, there's no doubt. In part because remember that the Royals, by you know their underlying statistics, their true talent level should have been closer to a 66-win club. So that's 10 wins right there. So even if they run back the same club, the same talent, the numbers, the underlying numbers uh, suggest that the Royals were already 10 wins better than their actual win-loss record. 
So absolutely no contest here. I think the real question is, are we talking about 15 plus wins? Or are we talking, you know, 20 plus wins, right? Because 15 wins from 56, it gets you to uh, 71, right? Do you think they're a 71 win club? I think that's, that's definitely in the realm of possibility. Um, that's pretty likely. Do you think they're a 76 win club like that? Then you're starting to get to, you know, do you think they're an 81 win club? Like that's where it's really interesting for me. Like if they only improve by 12 games, they're going to be a 68 win team next year. And I don't, I think they're, they're way better than that. Um, that doesn't mean that they're a playoff club, but I think, you know, way better than 56 wins is reasonable, right? Like they yeah. could improve by 20 wins and still be a 76 win team, which is not a great team. Like that's how low they were and how out of whack their underlying um, Pythagorean win percentages. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's, yeah, I think it's at least we're looking at 70 wins next year which would be 14 that'd be at minimum you have to really try to lose more than 100 games i don't think people understand that because we've seen it happen so many times in the last 20 years or so in kansas city oh yeah we saw we saw them win one world series sure we've also seen them lose 100 games what five six times now um it's it, it's really hard to do that and so like when you see a team do that you should expect a huge bounce back the next year because it's just really hard to lose that many games. It it really is. And uh, like I said, Jeremy, the Royals make it look pretty easy at times, <laughs> at least for most of my lifetime they have. Um, I'm certainly hoping that the struggles at one arrowhead drive will make, uh, make fans appreciate any successes across the parking lot even more. I mean, people are actually saying that they're excited for spring training and uh, and ready to watch the Royals take the field. That is something that I have not heard in a long time. I don't know about you, Jeremy. No, I mean, and I think we're seeing that in like the responses to our polls, the responses to the to the Q and A that you put up. People are excited about this team. They want to participate in the fandom again, and I think the Royals could probably expect to see an increased attendance next year, at least early on. And if they win, then it'll continue throughout the summer. Um, it's just when you when you make an effort. People can be invested, and the Royals were just so bad last year, it was hard to be invested. I think all of us uh, were struggling with writing things, with coming up with podcast topics, with watching the games. Yeah. Um, it, it just, it was so hard, and, and to see the Royals go, okay, yeah, we get it, that wasn't good. Let's give you something to actually be a little bit excited about, and people are ready to turn around and go, yeah, okay, we're excited now. Yeah, Matt, do you uh do you agree with that? I mean, you you run things a little bit more over at Royals Review, so you kind of have a bigger scope on it, but do you think that's the case? Yeah, I think so. Uh 2022 was about anger, right? People got angry that the Royals were as bad as they were. And I I hadn't seen um the the fandom be that angry in a very, very long time. Really since I, you know, since I started writing for Rose Review in 2014. Now, obviously there are reasons why there weren't that many angry fans, but like <laughs> even before that, like I don't I don't remember like, you know, when I was a when I was a lurker and a reader and a commenter before I was a writer, like in 2011, 2012. Like I don't remember it the anger being that that much in 2022. Like that was peak anger. And 2023 was just apathy. And 
everybody was angry. They got angry and then nothing changed. And then people were like, that's it. I'm out. Um, and I don't think that has anything to do with, you know, the quality of Royals fans. One of my biggest um, sort of soapboxes that I get on every time that I have the chance is talking about how bandwagon fans are the only reasonable people out there, right? We have so little time in this world to spend doing things uh, that we enjoy that we have to choose, right? And for the people who choose not to, you know, watch the Royals when they lose 106 games in a season. Like that's the only reasonable reaction that, that we can have for people. And that whenever teams get good, and I remember when the Royals were good, we had people who were like, you know, whether they they said this explicitly or not, like, oh, I was around here during the bad times. Like that that makes you better. Like, no, it doesn't make you any any better. It just makes you more like boneheaded. Like it, there's there's no difference. Like we are not any better fans than the people who got real excited for two years, three years, and then like dipped, like they are the smart ones. And I like say this every time. And really the only way to judge, you know, how good a a fandom is, is by judging what the fandom is like when they're, when the team is really good. And when the Royals are really good, like it was such electric, like the fans are ready. They are, they want to root for it, but, you can go anywhere around the city, talk about the Kansas City Royals, and anybody would be like, oh, yeah, they're, they're bad, whatever. But if they're good, that is absolutely going to turn around. So, you know, that, this year was the year of apathy, 2023. Uh, 2022 was the year of anger. Um, you know, if the Royals continue to do poorly next year, like if they underperform, it, it'd be interesting to see which of those really, you know, it, it gets, you know, taken. My guess is maybe it'll move back towards anger because the Royals are also asking, you know, voters for money, but I don't know. I, like fans aren't just sitting here just like happily sniping at the Royals. And I think that's something that sometimes people misunderstand when someone like Jer- Jeremy or myself says something bad about the Royals online. Like I don't want to say bad things yeah. about the Royals online. I want to talk about how great XYZ is. Like, you know, but I we try to call it like like we see it and what's happened is that the Royals have been bad. Uh, so all of that is to say that I think next year will be better, but you know, fans want to experience good baseball. They are ready. They are waiting. This is not a situation in which the Royals have permanently alien, alien permanently alienated people. They've just, you know, a bunch of people are choosing to do other things, and why wouldn't they? Yeah, I like you said, it's the only reasonable response. Um, I'm sure. You've read Craig Calcaterra's Rethinking Fandom, um, but if you haven't, you really should because it, it makes a lot of those same points. It's a, And it's a great read beyond that. Um, and, and I totally agree with what you're saying about like fandom should be judged by do they show up when the team is good? And I think we saw in 2014 and 2015 that they showed up in spades we had so many different super fans that were showing up every week you know the moose antlers guy and the people with the signs and just like all the different everybody was ready to just be in love with the team and to just lift those guys up and and bring all this energy to the games and and the royals repaid them by letting the most exciting players go uh, bringing back Mustakis and Escobar when it appeared that no one else wanted them after all, and and then just kind of falling off the map. So uh, yeah, it's it, it, 
100%, we, we all have a limited amount of time on this spinning ball and, and we've got to spend it wisely. And I think that, uh, you know, we, we all stick with it cause we love writing and love podcasting and whatever else. But if you're, if you're not doing those things, then yeah, walk away. Uh, it's, it's the only smart thing, the only reasonable thing to do. Yeah. It's, uh, to, to Matt's point though, not, not a whole lot of Royals fans are, uh, are very reasonable out there. I mean, <laughs> I, and we, uh, we, we see that in the Royals review comment section sometimes. I, I will say that, but, I appreciate both y'all's uh, y'all's insights on there because on I've I've aged myself a couple of times, Jeremy, Matt. I don't know how much older you are than than I am, but like I don't really remember the darkest days of the mid two thousands and that stuff. Um, I was I was too young for that, so uh, I I just I I didn't have to suffer through that. This has been the worst of my Royals fandom the past uh, few years, so I'll I'll take it there. All right, guys, let's uh, let's go ahead and move on. So we were talking about, okay, how much do these improvements help the Royals' chances in the AL Central? Because the AL Central is is not great. There isn't a whole lot. I, I think that's really an understatement. I probably top to bottom, it's the worst division in baseball right now. It, probably. Yeah. It's definitely. It, 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 it it was in in 2022, and I don't see that changing in 2023, especially with the Minnesota Twins losing a lot of talent after their playoff run this year. But speaking of them, they did sign a former Royal, former Kansas City reliever Josh Stalmont to a one year deal, quote for just under one million dollars, end quote, according to the Athletics Dan Hayes. So this is certainly a low cost, high risk signing of Stalmont due to him undergoing thoracic outlet syndrome surgery last July. So a lot of things up in the air about his future. Matt, I, I want to ask you. So we saw some major regression from Stalmont the past couple of seasons, whether it be health, um, just mechanics on the mound, things like that. And now even more, his uncertain health is another risky factor. Do you think he will return as a serviceable reliever? Or is this fairly new surgery not going to bring him back to the mound? I don't think that there's very good likelihood that he'll be back to the uh, effective pitcher he, he once was. And that's for a couple of reasons. One is because there aren't a lot of success stories when it comes to thoracic outlet syndrome um, in baseball. Like it's a more common occurrence, but like, just not a whole lot of, you know, success stories, um, related to that. Um, and that's, that's really the first part. So just like, just purely independent of his pitching, like it's hard to come back for that. It's, it's really, really hard to come back from that. That's like coming back from Tommy John surgery a third time, you know, like it's, it's just, it's hard. Um, he's going to be, uh, in his age 30 season next year. Um, the other thing about Josh Stamont is that, um, he only works as a pitcher if he's striking out a bunch of people um, because he walks a lot of people and that's okay if you're striking out a bunch of people, but you know, ultimately if you're striking out his career walk rate um, is 13%. Um, it's been above 14% a couple of seasons, uh, including last year. Um, so if it's say, let's say 14%, uh, his, if he's walking 14% of people um, you want to, you know, ideally strike out, 
two people for every one person that you walk, ideally. So you need a strikeout rate of at least 28%. And, you know, that's, that's a, that's a high strikeout rate. Realistically, for you to be a really good reliever, you're going to need, you know, to strike out a third of your batters. And he's done that once. He did that in 2020, um, albeit in a shortened, you know, shortened period. That was when he had a 2.45 ERA um, and 3.54 FIP. Like, that's the only way that he sort of gets around that he's he walks so many people is if he's striking out 33% of batters or 30% of batters. It's and when you lose that velocity, then all of a sudden you're walking people without striking out people, but those 100 mile an hour fastballs that are down the middle that people swing and miss on, well, they connect on. So it's not just that it translates to more walks, but also more, you know, more hits and, and you know, more power given up. Um, so I, I don't, I think there's certainly a possibility, um, you know, the thing about relievers who throw in the upper 90s and you throw, you know, as hard as Stalmont's um, and have his curveball as good as Stalmont's is, um, is, Sometimes that they can come back. They surprise you um, in small sample sizes, but I think that the Royals, um, you know, were right to sort of move on uh, from him. And if he comes back, you know, that's great. You sort of think about it in the same way that you think think about it when the Royals traded Adalberto Mondesi, right? If he comes back, he's great. I remember JJ Papola saying um, that we would not be surprised if Mondesi had a big season. Um, if he doesn't, we also wouldn't be surprised, but we wouldn't be surprised if he had a big season, um, but it's not going to be for us. It's going to be for someone else. Um, if he does, that's great. We're happy for him. Sort of the same situation. And you know what happened with Mondesi? Absolutely nothing. He was still hurt. So that's the most out likely scenario here. But I, you know, I'm, I'm not really worried if, if Salmon, you know, gets better. Lots of relievers get better, you know, uh, on bounce back seasons, even dead cat bounce seasons, which is, which what the Royals should do you know, should be doing next year, right? Even if they don't really improve very much, you'd expect them to regress to the mean, improve a little bit. And all of a sudden there's 10, 12, 14 wins better. So that's, that's, that's sort of my unnecessary tie into the greater theme of, you know, you know, <laughs> was, was, was really not very good. I mean, he had a five, four, zero ERA last year, even if he improves by like one and a half or one, you know, then he has a four, four, zero ERA. So yeah, it's it, it is what it is. I'm rooting for him. Um, he, he's a fun, fun pitcher to watch, um, even if he was a little wild. Uh, but, you know, sometimes injuries just take you out. And as any 30 year old yeah. will know, the the injuries get worse the older they get. <laughs> Dang. Yeah, I, I, I don't know about that. Jeremy, you, you probably know about that, man. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, abs- I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm 28 now. <laughs> You're a spry 28 year old, huh? Y- yes. <laughs> Plus 10. Oh man. Um, Jeremy, before we move on, do you have anything to add about Josh Stalmont? Uh, so you said Josh Stalmont got a $1 million contract from the twins, correct? Yeah, they, so they said it was under just under one million dollars. He was projected to earn one point seven in arbitration this year. So, so he he jump. got just under one. Josh Taylor got one point two five. I think that tells you everything you need to know. Yeah. Dang. Dang. You still you still found a way to bring it back to Josh Taylor, didn't you? <laughs> Always. <laughs> I am nothing if not consistent. That is true. That is true. 
Oh my goodness. Yeah, I so frankly, I was surprised to see that this was a major league deal. I could absolutely understand a minor league deal um with an invite to spring training. I I don't think that we see him pitch next year. I don't think that we see him pitch in an MLB game next year. Um and we we talk about how uncertain players can be coming back from Tommy John surgery. That has gotten a lot better. This thoracic outlet syndrome surgery is is a whole different beast that that we need to start paying a little bit more attention to. I think we've I don't think that we've seen a big jump, but it's starting to be something that we see a little bit more often. I I feel like so definitely want to look at that, see how he progresses and heals. But I just don't think he's going to be a serviceable reliever again in the near future. Jeremy, your thoughts. My favorite thing about the TOS surgery is I am the first time I heard of it anyways was Chris Young got it the year before he joined the Royals. And he acted like and it was kind of reported like it was some kind of new miracle surgery that was going to save a lot of pitchers careers and they would get this surgery and it would it would fix their arm problems. And uh, yeah, didn't didn't end up working out that way, did it? <laughs> nope. <laughs> kind of like when, when you see all those news reports that are like new miracle drug that causes you to lose weight, eat the superfoods, eat the acai berry or whatever. It's like, mm, oh, well, once we do a little bit more research, maybe that doesn't work out that way. Yeah, that uh, it hasn't worked out that way in recent history, at least. But we're open for the best for Josh. Honestly, Absolutely. I don't, I, I don't, I don't want to see him fail. I like him. He was electric earlier on this decade just falling off and just hope he heals up nice fail against the royals dominate against everyone else that's fine well it was i th- want to say that was the reason why they signed him because he had a 0.9 era over 20 career innings against the twins a 0.9 <laughs> era he absolutely shut them down so if uh if he is going to have a good year or a good couple of years with anyone i guess the twins deserve it the most because he is just just shellacked them in the past all right guys lastly the chicago white Sox are adding former royals catcher martin maldonado to a one-year contract with an option for 2025 Uh, both years together are worth eight million dollars so the running joke right now is that their current gm is looking to get all the former Kansas City Royals players he can get. They talked about Salvi at the trade deadline. They were linked to Whit Merrifield. They already have Andrew Benatendi. The list goes on and on. Maldonado is just the next entry on the list. Chicago now has four catchers on their 40-man roster. Absolutely crazy to me. Overcorrecting a catching problem with mediocre players. They added Maldonado. They added, I want to say Stassi from the Atlanta Braves earlier on this offseason. Just really low upside, serviceable guys to the 40-man roster. Jeremy, I'm going to come to you on this. We heard some rumblings last trade deadline that the White Sox wanted Captain Salvador Perez. They wanted to add him even though they were struggling that season. With them adding Maldonado, can we close the door on Perez joining the White Sox? Yeah, I think I think that door is closed. I think if this if Salvi was getting traded, it would have already happened. Um, I I just don't. The closer we get to spring training, the lower the percentages are that I think he gets traded. Because you you if you're going to trade Salvador Perez, you want to do it 
as far ahead of the season as you can. So the people have kind of like moved on from it by the time you start playing games, I think. Um, that That's just my thought. I also, you, you mentioned that the White Sox had four catchers. I, I'm interested to see what they do with, uh, I think his name is Corey Lee, because I think he's classified as a catcher, but he can play some outfield too. So maybe they're thinking about moving him to the outfield. Um and, and so that'll it'll if I was a White Sox fan, I'd be very interested in, in what's going to happen there as a Royals fan. I'm just kind of shrugging my shoulders and going, OK, guys, whatever you want to do, I guess. Yeah, I, absolutely. So, Jeremy, you, you kind of touched on it a little bit, but Matt, I want to ask you outright, does this kill the Salvi trade discourse altogether? Can we finally move on from this as a fan base? I mean, there's there there's never. You can never say definitively. I was trying to come up with a with a sneaky way to say that, but never probably reasonably, yeah. It it was always it was always a long shot, and it really centered around just a couple of teams, right? The White Sox were a team, the, the Marlins were another team, um, and if those teams didn't work out, it's not like you could trade Salvador Perez anywhere, right? Um, especially because he has the full no trade clause. Um, he has 10 to five rights. So um, he spent 10 years um, in the big leagues and five with his current team. So he has 10 to five rights, which means that he has a full no trade clause and he can veto any trade. So even if the Royals wanted to trade him, if Salvador Perez was like, Meh, nah, even if the Royals had a deal lined up, everybody was happy. Salvador could have, you know, just said no. Uh, so it was never a really high percentage uh, there. So it, that's probably it. You know, that's okay. And really the issue with the Royals and trading Salvador Press is that the Royals value him more than other teams value him. And the only way that you get a trade is that if you can get at the very least two parties to agree on the value of what they're trading. And if they don't agree on that basic value, then you're, you're just not going to get to it. So, um, I suspect that the Royals probably were more pragmatic about trading Salvador Perez under JJ than they were under Moore. At the same time, I still think that they probably do value him a little bit more, and he is more valuable as a player for the Royals than he has elsewhere because of who he is. Um, so it was never really a good, um, you know, good fit. However, I do want to point out that this could all change in July, right? If yeah. there's a contender. And they are out of catchers, right? If their catchers, you know, go down um, and, you know, Salvador Perez is there and he's doing well, he could, he could get traded, right? Like that is the, the thing about um, types of, of players and positions like the catching position um, is that sometimes there's not a lot of market for it until there's a lot of market for it. And then, <laughs> um, you know, you can, you can trade them. There's always going to be a market for pitching, right? Uh, it's a different market at mid season, but there's always a March market for pitching, not so much with catchers. So, you know, it kills it probably for now, but I haven't, I haven't really seen other people make, make this point. It doesn't kill it forever. It just kills it for now. And Perez is under contract for multiple years. It could be at mid season. Yeah, I, I absolutely sorry, Jeremy. I just want to say that beyond the White Sox and the Marlins, I would keep an eye out on uh, on the St. Louis Cardinals. I feel like they could be a team that could suddenly decide because they they had all those. There were a lot of disagreements over uh, what Wilson Contreras was offering to that team, 
and I could absolutely see them going, oh, well, Salvador Perez is the answer to our problems because we had Yadier Molina and he idolized Yadier Molina and, and, and this will work somehow. So that, that's one team I would absolutely keep an eye on. I would vomit if he ever played for the Cardinals. Just <laughs> like projectile vomit. It would be All the right. worst. All right, John Heasley. Would hate, would hate it. I would hate it more than him playing for the Yankees, which Rex Sudler joked about and and Ryan was like, no. But that that you know, that's okay, whatever. Him playing for the Yan- for the Cardinals, absolutely no. not. Like, no, you didn't you do not. No. Ugh. It just makes me nauseous right now. That, that that would be pretty gross. But Jeremy, that that's a great point for another possible uh, trade partner there. I would be curious to see how his bat plays in that park. Yeah, Matt, that's a that's a great point you bringing up that this just kills it ahead of spring training heading into the 2024 season. A lot of things can change. A lot of teams were sellers last trade deadline that likely weren't expecting to be sellers. There were a lot of teams trading for players gearing up for a postseason run last year as well. So maybe if uh, maybe if a team gets desperate, they might start calling about Salvador Perez. It all depends on how he is actually playing at that time. Last year was his first negative F war season in his career. So it's not like Salvi is still performing like a top 10 catcher. Um, I, I want to say even as recently as 2022, I would consider him a top five catcher in MLB. Not the case anymore, personally, at least. Yeah, Jeremy, I I know I, I, I want him to be higher. I really do. But you got to look at the last two seasons, take 2021 out of the equation, and what really is Salvador Perez? Jeremy, you can listen. You you can flame me right now if you want. This This is your opportunity, friendo. You're on mute. You're on mute, man. It's good. This is good. This is good. This is this yeah. It's good. good. Uh, I should be on mute. I shouldn't say anything. I oh. I am of the opinion that Salvi hasn't been a a great catcher in a hot minute now, uh, longer than tw- since twenty twenty two, which is is going to get me flamed. So uh, yeah, I should have stayed on mute. <laughs> it is uh th- that is just fine. All right, guys, we are we're coming to the end of the episode. Before we move on to our Royals review reviews, I do want to say this for our listeners who usually listen to us on Apple Podcasts. I do want to apologize. I frankly don't know what's going on right now with it. Um, the people I've been chatting with over at Apple Podcasts don't know what is happening, but essentially our feed is not refreshing, thus not updating our episodes. It's not, our, just, it's not just our podcast either. I've seen other podcasts are having similar problems. So it's, really? something, it's something to do with their platform. Hopefully they'll well, get it is, fixed in short order. Yeah, it is. Uh, it, it is super frustrating. I, I agree with all the listeners out there asking where the episodes are at. If you want to you know, know where we're posting, where you can reach us, you got to follow us on X at Royal Rundown Pod. Plus, you can also see exclusive clips from the podcast over on TikTok at Royal Rundown Pod. All right, guys, we're going to go ahead and get on with Royals Review Reviews. Matt, I would like you to start us off this week. What do you got for a review? Yeah, so um, I was looking back over this year. You know, I keep track of all the games that I'm playing, uh, the books that I'm reading, um, shows that I'm watching, and like none of them like really jumps out to me as like, 
I super, super love this um, as, as they have in the past. So I'm going to go with one of, the, one of the favorite things that uh, I look forward to every year and was indeed good this year. It's a show called Lego Masters on Fox. And I'm not usually a reality TV kind of guy, but the Lego Masters uh, premise is really simple. I mean, if you've ever played with Lego, built Lego, which is a lot of people, um, you know, it, it's a really fun show. So basically it is, it's technically, it's like, it's reality TV, but it's like a competition show, right? Um, like the voice, like American Idol, but instead of singing or playing or, you know, whatever, um, they build, you know, sets. So um, they, there are 12, I think teams at the start of, at the start of the season. Um, and then they go through and there's a, there's a different thing that they have to build um, with different parameters. Um, and then they build it and then they, you know, choose who the, who the best one is. And the, the one at the lowest end, they, you know, get kicked off the show. Um, and then they just go through and they, you know, get a winner. And the finale is basically, they're like, just build something. And so you get everybody just building, you know, really cool things. Um, you know, they have like 12 hours in which to build most of these things, which if you've ever built something like really complicated in Lego, like that's not a lot of time, like really. Um, so it's just a really fun show and the type of things that they build is really cool. Like they built, um, this, this season they did, um, basically um, boats so the boats had to float um so they gave them the like a, a floating base and then they built on top of that um they did like roller coasters like hey give us your best roller coaster um they had they they do some off the wall things where they're like hey make a make a handbag and out of lego that looks like a bag and that you can hold and then they did like a photo shoot with with you know with these these bags and um but it's it's just a really cool show because it's all very positive it's none of the like you know real real big reality tv show <laughs> kind of like sniping everybody's just all in this you know lego community together and they're just really building stuff and you're just like amazed at what these people do it's just teams of two they get you know 12 hours or whatever it is they build the thing um and it's it's just so it, it's, it's just really good and so um if if i'm pretty sure it's available on on fox somewhere um it's in fourth season now so it did, the fourth season just wrapped up um and it's just a lot of fun and it is something i look forward to every every week which is not something that i say all you know all the time about shows um yeah. and it's just you know a lot of really unique things that they build um and then you become fans of the you know the builders and everything so doesn't um, will arnett host it will arnett too? is the host that's correct yeah, if you if y'all know that name, it's a it's the Lego Batman. Literally, one of my one of my favorite voice memes is the "Don't want to do that." No, 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 no. That's really good. That that's a really good impression. Yeah, I, I, I thought he was here for a second. <laughs> Can you say first try? First try. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh my goodness! All right, Jeremy, what do you got for a review this week, man? All right, so uh, I've I've got a few loaded in the chamber. I'm going to give you one of these, uh, save some for some other weeks. Um, so I am a huge PlayStation nerd. Um, I, I it's just my preferred console. I know I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's better than the Switch or the, the Xbox. So don't come at me with that stuff. Um, but I it's the console that I like playing the most, and I have a premium membership to the PSN playstation network so i get 
a, a selection of free games or games that I can temporarily own as long as I maintain my membership every month. And one of the ones they gave us for December, which I believe is still available for another week or two here, uh, is Power Wash Simulator, um, which sounds like a game that could not possibly be fun, but uh, Square Enix published it and they put out a DLC for Final Fantasy VII where you could go in and clean, uh, you could power wash Cloud's motorcycle from Final Fantasy VII, among other things. Um, and so I was like, I got to check this out at least. So I, I, and it was free, right? I didn't have to pay anything extra for it. So I downloaded it and I instantly became addicted. Uh, I, I friggin' one Saturday, I sat down and watched almost the entire series of kill the kill while I was playing power wash simulator because I just, that's all I felt like doing. And I was like, why would I stand up? Why would I eat? Why would I sleep? I'm watching anime and I'm playing power wash simulator. Um, so I, hopefully no one else out there gets as addicted as I am. I am to the point where I, okay. So I told you they had the final fantasy seven DLC. They also have back to the future DLC, which was a lot of fun and they have SpongeBob DLC. Now, if you know me, you know that I hate SpongeBob. I think SpongeBob is stupid and awful and bad and I can't stand it. You all can love it. That's fine. I don't want it. I bought that DLC. I paid money for the SpongeBob DLC so that I could do more power washing. Uh, that's, that's where this game has me right now. I'm, I'm halfway through power washing Lara Croft's manor. Uh, so that's a good time. And, uh, yeah, if you're just like, Hey, I want something that makes my brain go ding. Cause every time you clean like a little piece, like you clean, like you say you're cleaning the, De the DeLorean and you clean the hubcap, it goes ding, and it flashes. And it's just like, yes, this feels so good in my brains. So, so then you do that and you just do that over and over and over again. You power wash everything, everything's sparkling clean. And, it, and you can, you can watch the TV, listen to a podcast. I've listened to so many podcasts, y'all. Uh, <laughs> it's a good time. It's a good time. And if you have the PSN, it is 100% free right now. The Back to the Future DLC, I believe is free. Final Fantasy, the, 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 there's four DLCs that are based on other properties. The Lara Croft, Tomb Raider. Back to the Future, Final Fantasy, SpongeBob. SpongeBob, I know you have to pay for, but two of the other three, I cannot remember which of the two are free. Um, and then they have, you know, there's a long, lengthy campaign of of that starts with you got to clean off your van that you're going to use for your power washing, and it escalates beyond there. Uh, I had to power wash an entire fire station. Um, there you go, there you go. Matt's Matt's ready to go download it right now. Um, so. Ready. It's just, it's, it's, I can't explain it. You have to try it to understand it, but it has been so much fun and, and yeah, I, I love it. Jeremy, that is, I've heard such sparkling reviews about Power Wash Simulator. It is absolutely ridiculous. Just out of nowhere. It, it has no business being that fun. There is, I, you know, like in real life, I've used a power washer or at least a pressure washer. And I was like, okay, this, this isn't bad. This isn't terrible. But like, if I have to clean things, this is a way to do it that does, I don't hate. But yeah. Power Wash Simulator is just on another level. It, it makes your brain go brr. Yeah. It's good. Brr. <laughs> Bing. Oh, my goodness. 
that is such a hard review to follow up jeremy thank you for that but really quickly i gotta review BattleBots. um if y'all are unaware of what BattleBots is it is on discovery channel i want to say is like where you can see the new episodes and things like that a few channels have reruns and stuff like that essentially just like how matt was talking about with the lego teams and them building you have teams of people who go and build robots and they throw them in a pit and they say fight do the thing and they have like remote controls on the either side of the glass and they have different weapons and different constructs and things like that and it is super i i find it really entertaining i really do um amazon the prime video has like a channel that is nothing but 24 7 battle bots and it's way it's way out of order i don't watch it for the sequence watch it for the entertainment okay but people really get into it and this is i think it's very educational i think it's a great way to use um you know just scientific minds and for an entertainment purpose jeremy have you ever seen it before I okay, so I haven't watched BattleBots, but I okay. got my computer science degree from the University of West Georgia, and the University of West Georgia sent at least three or four teams, including one of our professors, every year to uh, Dragon Con to to do the the battle robots. What I don't I think it, don't think it was officially battle battle robots or whatever but it was it was the same thing where they would take robots and and battle with them at dragon con which is one of the biggest nerd cons in the world if you're not familiar with it well hey if if you can't hear the squeaking in the background that's my dog ask asking for dinner here in a little bit but matt (laughs) what what were you gonna say man i saw your face when i brought it up uh so BattleBot. this is BattleBots. this is showing my age i watched BattleBots. BattleBots, the OG in like 1999 through 2002. What? Like, did, did you know that that it existed? No. That was it was it was on uh, I don't know what channel it was on, but like in the like turn of the millennium was the initial BattleBots, and then went went away for like a decade and a half, and then all of a sudden a bunch of millennials were like, "This show was good, let's bring it back." And then you know there were, that that's what I would guess happened because I like BattleBots and Junkyard Wars were like uh, it was you know. You know, May of 2000, I'm sitting there with my, you know, Nintendo 64 controller, you know, whatever. You know, it's, it's, yeah, it's, I, I saw the original BattleBots like way almost a quarter century ago. So, so the new Dang. one, I'm pleased that the new one is here capturing new, new fans because it, it's awesome. Yeah, it's, it, it's really, it's really fun. Go look them up on YouTube if you, if you want to check it out and see what it's all about for yourself. All right, guys, that is going to do it for us this evening. Matt, thank you so much for for joining us this evening. It's it's been a while since we've had you on the podcast. So thank you for joining us and thank you for your opinions. Um, Jeremy, as as always, man, couldn't couldn't do it without you. I uh, I, I'm very, very glad you're here. And guys, this is our final episode before before the new year. I. uh, Yes, I I scared Jeremy there. No, we're we're not ending the podcast. Don't don't you worry. Don't you worry, Jeremy. Um, but yes, this is our final. Episode. I would Go hate ahead, to find out this way. Yeah, that would um that would kind of be a be a bummer to to say the least after such a good episode. But to everyone out there listening, thank you so much for your support. Please go make your voice heard on Spotify. Answer our questions. Answer our polls. 
and we will talk about it on the following episode. You can find all of our social media links down below, but most important, go check out RoyalsReview.com for the best Royals work around for myself, from the team. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, go Royals!